Hello, everyone. I'm Scott. And I'm Maddie. And welcome back to the Harder Way podcast. Scripture says to endure hardship as discipline. What in the world does that mean? Pastor Samuel Lamb told me one time, learn to love suffering to prepare yourself for more religious restriction. It took me 20 years to figure out exactly what that meant. But today, we're going to share with you what we understand those things to mean. Yeah, I think it's a really important topic. And it's funny because this is something that keeps coming up in my life. I was just at a worship rehearsal and the little devotional time we had beforehand, we were talking about the portion of James where it talks about, you know, in your testing of your faith and trials, basically producing endurance and endurance or perseverance, depending on the translation, having its perfect result and that growing you and maturing you. And so this is something that I keep hearing from different people in my life. And then also just seeing in scripture very clearly is this idea that hardships, trials, difficulties are not always a bad thing. Yeah, I think American Christianity, and this is specific to American Christianity, has embraced a version of Christianity or a version of the gospel where you better be good, and if you're not, bad things are going to happen to you. It's, it becomes, yeah. it's become very transactional. Like, oh, that's right? a that's a really important word there because I think there's a whole lot to be discussed just with the idea of Christianity as a whole being kind of this transactional thing now, right? You can say, okay, well, I'm just going to say this prayer and now I've got my ticket to heaven and I'm going to stay where I'm at for the rest of my life. I'm never going to grow. I'm never going to deepen my relationship with the Lord. It's just like, oh, said this prayer, got my ticket to heaven, made the transaction, we're good. Right, and then and and that mindset if those folks don't fall away. I mean, I heard a statistic years ago that there were uh, just a massive number of people who get saved that way through just a say something and then you're, you're saved, say a little prayer, you're saved. So many of them fall away. They're like right. that seed that, that doesn't fall on the good soil. You know, something sprouts, but then it's, it dies quickly. And they were never truly regenerated, right? Never truly regenerated. again. Right. For the layman. <laughs> right. Well, you know, I think, I think, you know, in, in the academic world, there's something called imposter syndrome. And, yeah. and you, society as a whole, too. There's there a lot is. of articles and stuff about that right now. Right. And and so there's this idea that, you know, uh, like when you're earning your doctorate and then you, you become a doctor, you feel like I'm an imposter. I'm not legitimate. And you, you see, you almost feel like you're con a con man. And I think, and I think, you know, in Christianity, this, we have the same kind of an experience where we feel like we are, am I really born again? Am I really growing in Christ? Am I really secure in my salvation? And what, you know, we, we have these questions we're asking ourselves. And I think our adversary is there whispering the whole time, you're not really born again, or yeah, you're, you, you don't have to, you don't need to do anything. Just, just be, or look at those bad things happening. God must be mad at you. You better work harder. And there are all these disruptive, work harder. these disruptive messages that separate us from the love of God. They separate us from the peace of God. They separate us from an intimacy with Jesus. Yeah. And, you know, and so I'm going to say something and then I, you can riff on it if you want. I think it might be some, something that you have experienced personally, which is, there's an intimacy with Christ that can only be known through suffering. That's absolutely true. You know, if we look at 
you know, living our lives, we see that there are so many things that different people go through, right? And to varying degrees, you know, suffering is a very general term and it covers a really wide spectrum, right? right? But if we're talking about genuine suffering, it's this idea that when we're going through something that makes no sense, we don't understand why it's happening. All we want is for this thing to go away or for this thing to not be. The only, we could say, recourse that you have is to go to God. It's the only thing that you can do because when you're in that deep state of suffering, there's nothing in the flesh, nothing in the physical that you can do to genuinely make yourself feel better. There are things that you can do to kind of put a bandaid on it, you know, sort of, oh yeah, just, just go for a walk or go talk to somebody or, you know, eat, eat some more vegetables, take some vitamins, whatever. But all that's doing is kind of just helping you cope. It's not really dealing with that ache in your soul. And the only thing that is going to help that is going to God and connecting with him. And so when you do that, you get this really cool experience because we know that Jesus himself suffered and he suffered more than any of us will ever be able to understand. He suffered in a way that is really inconceivable to our simple human minds. Right. You know, and if you read something like Fox's Book of Martyrs, or you read Jesus Freaks, which was a, which was a rewrite of the Fox's Book of Martyrs with some modern stories added in, and even since that one came out, I think in the late '90s, early 2000s, they've done a redo of Jesus Freaks. So, so you read those of, stories and you find like out that, about sadly. persecuted Christians who really, really pay a price for their faith. Mm-hmm. And you know, I think you know we should really question ourselves. If our only desire as a Christian is to experience the good, easy life, and that we're focused on transactions that we think are going to bring that, whether it's a manipulative prayer, trying to pray in a certain way so that God has to do this, you know, reminding God of his promises is great because it's because we're really he doesn't need to be reminded but it reminds us and it kind of puts us us on the same page with the lord but reminding god of his promises so that we can make him do our own will right and i think when you're raising a child there are a lot of times when your child wants something and you want to give it to them but you know it'll put you in a place of danger that you can't see or it will cause some kind of, it could lead you down a really bad path, or it will put you into a place of having to make decisions that you're just not intellectually or emotionally ready to make yet. Mm-hmm. And so the parent has to say, no, I can't. Or even when a child is misbehaved, and you know, I always had a rule uh, when you guys were little and your older siblings were little especially, they would, if they misbehaved, and let's say we were planning to go see a movie. And this actually happened on more than one occasion. We're, we were all yeah. planning on this Saturday afternoon, we're going to go see the matinee, and we're going to go see this new kid's movie that came out. And the kids are fighting. And you say, and you want to punish them. And you, need to, you need to give them some kind of a punishment. And, and every child's different. Some respond to corporal punishment. A lot of kids don't respond as well to that. And so you need to find other ways to discipline and correct. Well... What I found was that I didn't want to ever say to to you or your siblings, you've been bad, so we're not going to the movies. Because I know I wanted to go to see the movie too, and it was my day off, and I wanted to relax. And I and I love love the movie theater popcorn and all of that. And, and the only one of the kids 
was getting in trouble. Right. And so then do the other kids have to. So I for- wouldn't, I wouldn't take away something that I wanted to do. Yeah. Because then you wind up going back on your word and then yeah. you wind up losing trust with that person. And yeah. So- that happened to me. Once. Yeah. <laughs> that happened to me once I got in trouble at school for the only thing I ever got in trouble for at school, which was talking. And <laughs> I came out and they're like, Oh, how'd you do in school today? I had to say, Oh, I got in trouble. And we were supposed to be going to the movies to see the Chronicles of Narnia. And I was like, oh, man, we're not going to get to go. And you're like, no, remember, like we said we were going to go. We want to go. Your brother wants to go. So we're still going to go. And then when we get home, you know, you won't be able to watch TV tonight. And we'll have to have some talks. But, you know, it's just that idea of I think punishment being for the purpose of learning uh-huh. or being punishment that is just punitive to really kind of just make you pay and rub in your face. Hey, you need to suffer because you did something bad. And I think that so many of us misunderstand God's disciplining of us mm-hmm. because we think of God because he's so much greater than us. Sometimes we can think of him as just saying, oh, well, you messed up. Well, great. Now I'm going to send all these bad things to happen to you because you messed up just to punish you. But the thing of it is that God, he is when he is sending things that seem like just punishments, they're always to help us learn. They're always to redirect us. We've mentioned this on the podcast before, the difference of, you know, beating a horse versus hitting a horse with the little stick thingy, you know, yeah, the crop, there you go, because you're training them to follow you. You're not beating them to hurt them. And can we just pause for a moment and acknowledge the fact that for every hundred times you have to come up with a word that I can't remember, there's one. And that was that was the one. So we got it on recording. So it, was, it says in, in Psalms, see law, Alvin reflex. <laughs> so I'm going to think about this moment and revel in my glory. But you know, I think you know you're nailing it right on the head. Is is that we need to recognize? We must recognize that the the, the hardships we experience are allowed by a loving Father who loves us more than we could ever love ourselves or anybody else could ever love us and who only wants the best for us. And if it was best for us, for the Lord to only give us good things and to only give us great gifts and to only bless our socks off and to only pour out all, you know, all wealth and everything else upon us, he would do that because he loves us. But it's, but, but, it's because of that love. His love is a delivering love, mm. as we've spoken about before. Yeah. And he wants to love us in the way that's going to be best for us, for our good and for his glory. And so that means that we're going to have to have consequences. We're going to have to have some things that aren't even consequences. They just come into your life and it's this whole hard thing. And it's it's really for the purpose of drawing us nearer to the Lord. And I think you can really continually make parallels with, you know, parenting and the discipline of the Lord, because you can see that from a child's perspective, there are a lot of things that are good, right? Like, oh, I'm a little kid. Ice cream is good. And as a parent, you're like, yeah, ice cream is good. It's not good to eat it for breakfast. It's not good to eat it three times a day. And as a child, you're thinking, wow, this is so mean. I don't get to have ice cream whenever I want. And you, you feel that that's some kind of, you know, suffering or a punishment. And the parent is saying, 
I'm doing this so that you'll, you know, you'll be healthy. I'm doing this so that you're going to, you know, grow up. You're not going to have stunted growth from nutrient deficiencies from only eating ice cream all day, you know? And so being able to say, look, I understand that when I'm going through difficulties in my life, it's not because God is punishing me for something bad that I did. And I think that's that transactional piece. The reason that we think, oh, if I just do X, Y, Z good thing, I'll be able to have things going better for me. It's because in the back of our minds, we think the reason that the bad thing is happening is because we did X, Y, Z bad thing. Well, even we'll say, oh, oh, and we'll say it's a prayer. Really? It's a prayer. It's well, we, so we'll say, oh God, what did I do to deserve this? Hmm. It really is a prayer. And it's, that's such a bad, bad theology to have. Right. Because the truth is you, you, you are a sinner in need of a savior. So you deserve every bad thing. We do. But when we're born again, we are imputed the righteousness of Christ. And so we're treated that way. And so the Lord is, the Lord is working by the Holy Spirit in, and in us. He's, he's work, Jesus is working giving us an example, interceding for, uh, for us. He's at the right hand of the Father. And our Heavenly Father is parenting us and growing us to be into, in, in, the person that we, He designed us to be. Scripture tells us that there are works that God prepared in, advan- us, in advance for us to do, every single one of us. And these aren't works that earn your salvation or keep your salvation, but they're the thing God made you to do. You know, like we might say to somebody, you'll you'll meet a football, you'll meet a, an athlete of some kind, and you see them, and you'll say they were born to do that. And I, I think of like Jerry Rice. He's not a he's not my you know pillar of of ethics or morals or anything else, but he was born with a tremendous amount of natural talent to play wide receiver. He played for the 49ers. Yeah. He was a, he's a, in the Hall of Fame. But anybody who trained with him. During the time when he was playing for the 49ers, we'll tell you, he was the hardest working guy in the NFL in the offseason. So not only did he have, he was born for something and then he worked hard at it. And the Lord has given us, we have, we have a work that we're advanced. There's something that we were born to do. There are things that we were born to do and we've got to work at it, but the Lord is working at it in us. So even if we're not working at it, he's working at it in us. And I think something I've heard you say, you know, a lot of times before is this idea that God is opposed to earning. He's not opposed to effort. Yes. Right? It's not that we should never cry. It's not that we should never be intentional because we should, but it's that we should never see what we're doing or our intentionality or our work as a way of earning our salvation as a way of earning God's favor, as a way of earning blessings, or as a way of getting rid of suffering and hard times. Because, you know, it's, you know, you mentioned at the beginning, the Bible says that we should endure hardships as discipline. And it's that discipline of a loving father. The Bible also says, you know, who, if your son asks you for bread, will give them a rock. Or, yeah, right. Right? And that God is the same way. And so sometimes we get confused because we ask God for something and we don't get it. And I think what we can say is it would be like, you know, your little kid comes up to you and they've got, you know, their hand is like 
practically severed off. And they're not even noticed. They haven't even noticed that their hand is practically severed off. And they're just coming up to you saying, hey, I'm really hungry. Can, can we go to McDonald's? I'm really hungry. I, I, I'd like something to eat. And your parent is like, yeah, we'll deal with that in a little bit. We need to deal with your hand. Right. right? It's not because your parent is punishing you. It's not because your parent doesn't love you. They don't want you to eat. They're not giving you the blessing of going to McDonald's. It's because they're like, hey, let's deal with the imminent danger. You're partially severed. Well, and if you think about it with this partially severed hand, what do you know? You know that when you get to the ER, that that child's going to be going under general anesthesia. Yep. And so you don't want them to eat. Because it would be they a danger aspirate, for them right, they to could, have eaten before they go in for a right. surgery. Yeah, exactly. So, so if you think about that, then our Heavenly Father, who is perfect, is always aware of, he's, on, he's omni, he's omniscient, all-knowing. So you're just gonna say he's he's on he's all omni he's omni, and so he, because of that he's aware of those factors that we don't think of, and so he knows oh you're in shock you need a blanket on you oh you might bleed out we need a tourniquet or you need a pressure bandage oh you are gonna go into surgery we should not get you food we give you some little water or some ice chips but we've got to get you. Right. He's, he's, and, and, and the 10,000 other things that we haven't thought of. When we can think of it in that perspective, then we can look at it and we can say, okay, I don't understand why I have to be hungry. I don't understand why I have to have surgery. I don't understand why I have to endure this hardship or that hardship. But what I know is this my heavenly father loves me and he knows everything. And he is perfectly wise. And so whatever is going on right now is part of his plan. And that I can rejoice in him knowing that I'm in his will, no matter how uncomfortable it is, no matter how inconvenient it is, no matter how hard it is. You know, I think about my little problem of not being able to go on this this courier mission because of the wound on my foot, which is, it is healing and it is healing, but it's healing slowly for those of you that are praying for me and for healing. Thank you so much. But I had a lot of time and a lot of, uh, you know, planning and a lot of desire to do this. And I have to thank the Lord and say, Lord, this is not your timing. This is not your will for me now. I thank you for this. I thank you for this hardship. And who knows what other things I may have avoided. Mm-hmm. You know, you just have no idea because we keep going back to that example of the parent. How much more does a parent know than a child, right? A little bit. And let's take that times infinity when we want to think how much more does God know than any of us? How much more does God know than the person who's known the most in all of human history? You can't <laughs> even calculate it because it's so much more. And so there are more factors, more possibilities, more things that we would never even think to consider, that we would never be able to conceive of. And it's funny because we're talking about about this idea, and I just keep thinking about this concept of resilience. Because I think that that passage in James really gives us the recipe for resilience, right? Right. You know, it, t- it says, you know, endurance, perseverance, but resilience is a little bit more of a modern word and it's taken on some new meanings in recent years. So I feel like that really is the recipe for resilience, which is having 
one of one of our key things that we've talked about on this podcast, a redefinition of suffering. Because what is a redefinition of suffering if not considering it pure joy when we encounter various trials? It's you. This is uh, verse 2 of chapter 1 of James. So James 1, verse 2. Count it all joy, my brothers. Remember, sisters are included in that in the, in the Greek. Adelphi. Brethren and sistren. Yeah. Sistren. <laughs> <laughs> Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is double-minded, unstable in all of his ways. And I think this is this is an important transition that goes into this second thought in this passage. Is that you know we can't we uh, the harder way is preventing us from being double-minded. Yes. Right. Okay. Let me let me break that down just briefly. We think about the persecuted church. Okay. I want you to imagine you go to church this week, and somebody comes in with a gun. Supposedly, this actually happened in the Soviet Union. I've heard the story told by numerous people who were in the Soviet Union during the Cold War during these persecution eras. So it, it happened somewhere at some time. I don't know the exact details, but this is supposedly a true story. And so a, a Soviet soldier walks into the church and he has, he held his gun up and he says, I'm going to shoot anybody right now who does not, who doesn't leave the church. Mm. If you, so if you're going to stay here and worship Jesus, you're going to die. So a bunch of people get up and leave. Then he gets, but not everybody. So he gets really aggressive and he's like, I'm not kidding. I've already shot a bunch of people. I'm going to shoot a bunch. I'm going to shoot people. I have, I have authority from the government. And if you're, if you're unfortunate enough to survive being shot, you're going to be thrown in the gulag. So if you are not willing to renounce your faith in Jesus Christ right now, or to renounce, you know, being in this church right now, you're going to be shot. And a bunch of people are like, okay, we'll, we'll leave. And he does this two or three, another time. And then finally, there's only a handful of people left in the church, and the and the and the Soviet soldier puts down his gun, takes off his hat and his jacket, and he says, "Finally, brothers, let's have church, right?" Because wow. he needed to get all the double-minded people out of there. Uh, oh, the because can- those double-minded people would be the ones who would turn him in, right, to his higher ups, right. And so, wow, in the, when persecution comes to the crazy. church, the double-minded are removed. Yes. Right. And so they're and they're enduring hardship and they learn to love it because they recognize, and this is what pastors in the persecuted church have told me personally, they recognize that when persecution comes, God is doing something. God is moving. And when persecution comes, while the church in the in public may shrink. Behind the scenes, the church grows. The individuals grow spiritually, and they also grow numerically. Even now in China, where persecution is the worst it's probably been ever in history. Yes, that is something important to be noted, is that it appears, based on what we have read and and seen and heard, that the persecution going on in China at this point right now today is probably even worse than it was during the Cultural Revolution. Which is shocking. Yeah. And yet the church is growing 
at an unprecedented rate behind the I scenes. mean, it sounds crazy to say it. Hopefully, it doesn't sound crazy for our listeners to hear it. But it, so- it sounds crazy to, out- to outsiders, non-harder way folk, if you will, say that the, the church in China is actually thriving. Right. Now, that's a, we- that's a weird thing to say. But it really is. And so this will shock you, the, the listener probably, and you've heard this before. Um, there are persecuted Christians who pray for us in America to experience persecution. Because they want our church, the body of Christ here in America, to experience the purification, the growth, the revival that occurs. The single-mindedness that is developed. Yeah. And so in that, we can learn then to have great joy and we can learn to have a great attitude of thanksgiving and we can, and of course scripture says i will enter his courts with thanksgiving in my heart i'll enter his courts with praise and we will enter the lord's presence and and enter his courts if you will that that spiritual place of of fellowship through thanksgiving in all circumstances yeah. through praise in all circumstances so i encourage you maddie Whatever's going on with you right now, whatever hardship you're enduring, whatever internal strife is going on in your life, to praise the Lord no matter what it is. And I'm going to do the same. That's great advice. And we actually did an entire episode, I believe, two or three weeks ago, Mm -hmm. where that was our topic. And so anybody who didn't get a chance to listen to that, please go ahead and listen to that because it's. I think it'll really encourage you and really goes in line well with what we just talked about here today. And again, if you want to hear about the challenge of not renouncing your faith under great religious restriction and persecution, and then some keys to preparing yourself for that, we want you to get the career update. And that is, you can get that by going to atlasbible forward slash atlasbible.org forward slash BCI, Bravo Charlie India. And Atlas Bible is all one word and all lowercase atlasbible.org forward slash BCI. And there's a place for you to, to click and sign up for the letter. And we will get that out to you. This, this next episode coming out, we'd love to, to get that information to you. We find a lot of folks really are blessed by it. And that's the only place where we're going to share the testimony of our couriers when they get back from this mission. And in a couple of months, those will, those stories will be coming directly to the readers we don't put them directly or immediately onto our podcast because we don't want to really kind of expose people unnecessarily. Yeah. Just a matter of, you know, doing what we can to best steward those relationships and the safety of those people. So Right. They would they would tell us, don't try to hide us. Just <laughs> put it all out there. But we do that for them. So we praise the Lord for their faith and for their testimony. And but we we uh, try to uh, keep things on the QT, a little opsec as the military would say. Oh. All right. Well listen, we love being with you every week. We're looking forward. We have some new equipment coming. Our, finally, our podcast will be much higher sound quality, and we hope if we use it right. And so we're grateful to the donors to our podcast who have helped us with that, and we can't wait to share it with you in the very near future. God bless you guys. Bye-bye.